This is Chris from Worcester, and you're listening to a wicked pisser British bloke named Mike. And this is the Any Revs UK podcast. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Any Revs UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Hello everybody, I'm Mike and welcome back to the NEVFs UK podcast, all things revolution from a UK perspective and welcome to episode 8 of the uh, season 3 sponsored by MLS UK. If you do wish to go and hear more things unbiased than this listening to the revolution, make sure you go and check out the guys over at MLS UK. Uh, they've got a wonderful podcast which you upload to YouTube as well, uh, as a, obviously a Twitter account and all that kind of good stuff, Instagram. They do a lot better job than uh, obviously I do on my kind of presentation. It's a lot more professional. Um, but they kind of give you an overall feeling of the MLS from a UK's perspective rather than just the uh, revolution, obviously, what we kind of talk about over here. But we're back. Obviously, the tournament has gone ahead. There's been two teams drop out so far. We've got FC Dallas and Nashville. Uh, great to see obviously not from their fans point of view but great to see that decision being made and obviously making sure that we're putting people's lives first i'm still a little bit undecided if i think that the tournament should be going ahead however i've watched the revolution game now and obviously i was really excited to kind of watch it and um it's kind of really you know i do want to see more it's making me want to this to continue even but at the same time i'm still very mindful that you know there's still mass amounts of cases of of COVID-19 going around in America at the moment. I believe it was 64,000 the one day, and then they beat that again by topping 66,000 new cases Um, as well. So uh, I just want to make sure that obviously everyone is staying as safe as we possibly can. Uh, and that includes you guys listening out there as well. Just make sure you're um, you're staying safe, and I hope you're all doing well and you are um, staying safe. But, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just it's weird times at the moment, but obviously good to see that the, the MLS is back up and running and has said, and obviously they've uh, kind of been delving into talking about the kind of overview so far I've had of my feelings on the tournament itself. Uh, and then we're going to be looking forward to the, uh, well, not looking forward, it's already happened. We're going to be breaking down the game as the Revolution took on Montreal in their opening game of the MLS is back tournament, as well as talking about any news that have come out of the camp as uh, we end up the episode with uh, a few questions from you guys as well that you've been posting over on social media. So obviously we had uh, Tuesday, no it wasn't Tuesday, it was Thursday the 9th of July, we had the uh, opening game, which was Orlando City versus Inter Miami as well. Um, and it was a really, really good game. Obviously old boy uh, Juan Agadalo getting on the score sheet for Inter Miami just after the uh, the interval, the second half, 47 minutes into the game and Agadalo coming up. And then two goals uh, within the last 20 minutes of the game, uh, one from Mulia and then uh, the last one from, from Nani. And what a goal that was and what a time to score the winning goal as well. Uh, really kind of brought the buzz of soccer back to America. The biggest kind of thing I would say that I think the MLS have missed on this one is the fact that the tournament isn't being streamed free. Because I think this was a perfect opportunity for the MLS to, to kind of... One, show that it's not always just about money because that's kind of, from an outsider's looking in view, that's all that MLS, and I know football, soccer in general is that as well. I know all all you know leagues are exactly the same, apart from maybe the Bundesliga. 
that's the one where I don't really see that the money's a, a, I think obviously it is a driving force but I don't know it just seems like it's less as focal and, and as prominent as it is in other leagues but f- from uh, an, an outsider completely being new to MLS you know I mean I've only really been watching it realistically since 2015 I suppose already taking a keen interest anyway I've always known about it and I've always kind of you know looked at it every now and again and I've followed some of the players when they've moved over um and so on and so forth uh but um I mean I suppose my real kind of first delve into um kind of watching American soccer a little bit more closely than I did is when Joe Cole transferred from um I think it was a West Ham at the time. I can't remember where he, well, I can't remember what team he was last playing for. Uh, he might have even been a free agent, but he went over to Tampa Bay Rowdies. And I was watching Tampa Bay Rowdies a little bit prior to this because, um, or was it when Joe Cole went? I can't remember the way he went around. Basically, Freddie Adu is a player I follow a lot purely because I play a lot of football manager and championship manager, and he's a kind of a cult legend on that. Uh, so I've been following his career very, very closely. And... Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of back from there, and then even earlier than that. I mean, I kind of was obsessed with Eddie Pope back in the day. He used to be a player I always used to sign on Championship Manager. So it's kind of like there's always been an inkling, and I've kind of always watched it, and but kind of in and out. But obviously, since two thousand and fifteen, it's when I really first kind of like taken in a keen interest and kind of picked the Revolution as my team, and it's kind of a, a, a blossoming friendship since then. But um. I don't know, it just seems very, very, very money-driven, which I kind of, I get, it's a business at the end of the day. But I think that they've missed a huge opportunity here of just putting it free to view for anyone in America. Because at the moment, really, there's not a lot of stuff going on. And, there's you know, it's got such a mixed and almost tarnished reputation in America that people just won't watch it. And... Even now when it's back on and I've seen people slandering it because, oh, we can only watch the games on Twitter and so on and so forth, which again is ridiculous. You've got this, you know, really exciting tournament going on when not a lot else, not a lot else, not a lot else is happening in the world of sport. Um, and people then, you know, are choosing to watch European football because, I mean, some some Americans are always going to choose it because, they, you know, they think MLS is, is, is a terrible standard of 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 football which it, it's not it's it's not you know it's not up there with the Bundesliga and the Premier League and Serie A and La Liga and all that kind of stuff but it's 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 a, I still think it's a a good standard of football and it's getting better every every season it's getting bigger and better and you know uh drawing bigger crowds bigger players and it's just um I just think it's a massive missed opportunity to kind of get more eyes on the the sport but saying that on the flip side of it it kind of as more and more people might have been tuning in on different platforms wherever they're watching the match, I've seen a lot more grumblings go against MLS at the same time because, you know, the games are only now 1-0. I mean, in the actual normal season, the reason why I know that the guys over at the um, MLS UK show have converted over is because one of their two teams weren't having the best of look at the time, but two, because it's such an interesting and different league and it is very entertaining. Um, and a lot of these games have, you know, there's been a lot of time off and players are a bit rusty and there's only, you know, one or two goals gone in and so on and so forth. And it's, people are now complaining about that who might only be watching MLS for the first time. Uh, it just seems ridiculous because if you were to watch a 1-0 Liverpool versus Man City game, they wouldn't be moaning that it was just 1-0. But because it's, um, you know, Philadelphia versus NYFC, it's it's all the worst thing that's ever happened to the sport. Um 
So, yeah, I just think they have missed an opportunity to kind of showcase and get it in front of more eyes. But at the same time, it probably would have just led to more people bad-mouthing it because that just seems the reputation. And it's quite hard for people to get out of that. I, mean, I just see so many people still commentate, commentating, commenting on the league whenever I post something. Or not even just me. Sometimes when I just see posts in general of people saying, oh, sure, but it's a retirement league. And it's like, look at the players who are in the league. Like, who realistically is, is, is there to retire? I mean, I know obviously... Hernandez's comments probably didn't help the whole situation when he when he first kind of came over here. But and I do get it. Some really really top quality, you know, world class players probably do come over here to retire. But then you look at other players and you think, you know, they're they're not they're not of retirement age. They're like some of them are in their prime, and they're playing at a good club with you know a really good standard of football. And as I said, I think it's just getting better and better. But that's kind of my mini rant out the way at the start of the video. Um. We'll kind of head back to, completely went off on a tangent. This wasn't part of my script. And yeah, that's right. I've wrote a little bit of a script for this episode as well. Um, but that wasn't part of the script. It just kind of came out, as things always do on this uh, podcast. It just never goes to plan. That's what I was saying at the start. You know, it's not as professional as a podcast, but it's just a guy sitting in front of a microphone and rumbling for as long as he wants and then posting it to a platform. And some people like to listen to it. Uh, back to the tournament, though. Obviously, after the opening day game, Orlando uh, obviously picking up all three points at Inter Miami FC. And then obviously did have uh, NYFC versus Philadelphia and Philadelphia picking up a 1-0 victory there as well. In a, from what I see and what I've gathered and watched a few highlights on, it seemed like a really, really good game to be fair. I just mentioned that one being only a 1-0 win to Philadelphia, but um, it did look like a very entertaining game and it looked like, you know, something that again, even more eyes were on it, they could see the standard of football and see the kind of level of players that we've got in the league now and, and, and hopefully come to... You know, maybe think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll watch a few more of these games and then maybe pick a team, start supporting them, and then the fan base continues to grow. We then had, obviously, the game, which uh, we all of, most of us probably listening to this podcast, or if not all, have come to this about. It's obviously the Montreal uh, Impact versus New England Revolution game. Now, obviously, these two teams were, uh, I suppose some would say, looking enough to face each other, obviously, the Revolution on the back of a 2-1 loss last time round in the uh, obviously regular season but Thierry Henry picked a uh, fairly strong side obviously you know there's um I think it's probably the strongest line up he could have literally probably picked from to be fair um obviously two players that I've kind of noted on here to, to look at is two players that the revolution had been linked with at some point in the past obviously Bojan uh, heavily linked with on multiple occasions throughout my time obviously kind of being involved with the uh, revolution community and then obviously Victor Wanyama as well as a player who the Revolution did hold his rights and signed them over to Montreal. And some Revolution fans were a bit disappointed with that. I was a bit mixed on the, on the situation because I do like Wanyama as a player a few seasons ago, probably four or five seasons ago, actually. Very, very, you know, really, really good player. Um, But obviously had a lot of niggly injuries. Could he have handled it at Gillette Stadium? Probably not. I think it would have been another Mantian kind of issue with him where he's picking up a lot of injury due to the uh, pitch but from the from the from the outset looking at the uh, Montreal impact lineup it did look like pretty much the strongest lineup that uh Thierry Henry had at his disposal uh the revolution went with a I, I think they lined up as in a kind of a 4-2-3-1 formation although at some points it did look like it was a five uh, sorry a 4-5-1 formation as well with the uh with the midfield almost being a flat five at some points but um was I surprised by any of the lineup? 
I mean, obviously, we kind of knew that Andrew Farrell was probably not going to make the lineup, so I naturally thought Andrew Delamayo would have been in along the lineup. Um, I mean, we'll we'll just go from 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 front to back or back to front, from goalkeeper to striker, and I'll kind of explain kind of what I thought the lineup would have been. Obviously, Matt uh, Matt Taylor, who the hell's Matt Taylor? That's a new signing, not not really. Uh, Matt Turner in goal. I think that one's a given. I think it's going to be Matt's uh, to lose now. Uh, a back four from left to right of uh, Alexander Butner. Now, I didn't obviously know kind of where we stood with uh, Butner's um, fitness and stuff. Obviously, he hadn't played for the Revolution so far. He hadn't played a professional game for a while. I wasn't too sure kind of where he'd be. If he'd be able to start the match, he was going to be maybe a player that kind of came on towards the back end. So it's good to see, obviously, him in a Revolution shirt for the first time. And uh, him got the nod ahead of uh, Dewan Jones as well, or even Sestanovic. Um, but uh, really, obviously, pleasing to see that he's kind of there and, and ready to play a match from the start. Uh, we then actually had Antonio de la Mea, kind of the player I thought would play along at the back in place of Andrew Farrell. And then a surprise inclusion of uh, Michael Mantian. Um, now, obviously, I'm, you know, probably people would say, not I'm not, not the biggest fan of Michael Mantian, but I'm also not very over-complimentary of him of a lot of time. And it's purely because I know that he can perform better. I've seen a lot of Michael Mantian. Obviously, he spent his pretty much whole entire career um, in the English league system. He spent, I think, maybe one or two seasons away in Germany. But predominantly, he's been in or around the English league system for so long. And I've seen a lot of him. And I kind of know what he can do and what he, he is about. Um, so, obviously, I was quite excited when I kind of, well, okay, it was a big mix when he first kind of came over as well. And people were asking for my opinions and I was kind of, you know, not really like, oh, yeah, it's great. While kind of secretly hoping it would work out. And it really hasn't. And I do think with Mantia now, this is probably his last opportunity to prove to us kind of what he kind of got to do. But we'll kind of talk about obviously his performance in a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, supplies inclusion there. I did think Henry Kessler has done enough in the first two games to warrant his starting position. But, you know, Bruce is the manager. He's obviously seen something that maybe Michael Mantien's game might bring differently. Maybe it's the fact that we've been away for a while and maybe, I don't know, I can't see Kessler not keeping up with the regime, but maybe he's not as fit enough or match-ready enough as Mantien. Who knows? Uh, Brandon Byte, right back, uh, kind of the only obvious choice we've really got at right back at the moment, obviously, especially with, with Farrell out injured as well. Uh, then Callum Rowe and Scott Caldwell kind of starting in the defensive, more-minded uh, midfield roles, I suppose you could say, is or how it maybe looked like it was lined up with. Um, obviously disappointed really with that one for me, um, with the likes of um, Wilfred Zahibo not making the starting line. I thought he was was a given, really. I thought with the likes of you know, Luis Casado out injured for the rest of the season, I thought that that was Zahibo's was the first name on the sheet in that kind of position. And then we'd be looking at you know, who played alongside him. Do we go to somebody like... Callum Rowe or, or is Diego then that kind of option? Um, so to see Scotty and Callum there, I mean, you know, not a terrible partnership. I'm going to kind of talk about my thoughts on their partnership again a little bit later. I've made a note of my uh, my thoughts on them. But um, yeah, I was kind of thinking we are leaving ourselves a little bit defensively exposed because Callum's a very much more attacking-minded player, although he can get stuck in. Um, Obviously, we've not really seen much from, from Mr. Rowe in a while now, and I'm kind of hoping that this is the resurgence of the old Callum Rowe. Scott Caldwell, definitely a more defensive-minded player, but he's kind of what I would say is a, a James Milner-type player. He's a box-to-box midfielder and kind of just runs around and, and he'll give 100% for the whole game and just kind of get around and, and kind of in positions he needs to get, but wouldn't always say that he's his main 
kind of option is to defend. Um, but again, I've kind of got going to talk about him a little bit more in in depth yeah, as we kind of run through the game. Uh, we then kind of had the three behind the striker of um, I kind of suppose what we thought: uh, Christian Pini on the left, Gustavo Bow and Carlos Hill, and then obviously Adam Buxer up up top as well, leading the line. Um, really pleasing to see obviously them front four. I think that front four picks itself for the time being. I think um, obviously Christian Pini is the only one who possibly could be the one who's who's maybe changed out. We might see Till Bunbury put in there at some points. Or Diego, but you know, I think Christian Benier was in his breakout season for the Revolution was a, a breath of fresh air, and um, don't think he had the best second season. Uh, but I do think we're starting to see more and more of the old Benier as well. Uh, but I think obviously great to see the likes of obviously Carlos Hill back in the Revolution starting eleven as well. Uh, a bench, uh, we'll go just quickly run through the bench. Obviously, Brad Knighton uh, is the backup goalkeeper. Uh, we did also have obviously Jeff Caldwell on the bench as well. Obviously, we've got multiple players who now have five substitutions and a 23-man roster. All of them can be sitting on the bench. Uh, we then also had uh, Henry Kessler, Dewan Jones, uh, Sesanovic, or Sinovic, I never know how to pronounce his surname, uh, Andrew, I Andrew, who that was? Andrew Eisen. That's not even a player. It's Isaac Ankin, uh, Diego Fernandez. Um, we also had uh, Teal, Bunbury, Taijo, Buchanan, Wilfred Sahibo, Damian Rivera, and Justin Renix on the bench as well. Um... And obviously, kind of before I kind of go through the um, my opinions on the game, I kind of just want to kind of wanted to mention this right at the start, but I kind of started going off on a tangent, and it's kind of two subjects. Uh, I kind of just want to briefly talk about, and uh, the first one is obviously being rest in peace to Jack Charlton, um, a, a quality player and a really nice guy. Obviously, never met him, but just always came across as a real genuine nice guy. Um, played for Leeds United for for a few seasons as well. Obviously, as part of the World Cup uh, winning uh, England team, and um, obviously, you know, thoughts and prayers are with his family at the moment in this tough time. But uh, just kind of wanted to show my appreciation uh, of, of as him as a human being, really. Uh, secondly, obviously, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement is going on at the moment. Obviously, very important to kind of get as many people's eyes and ears uh, on the kind of movement and make sure people are aware because, like with most people, um, I think the fact of being just saying that you're not racist isn't really enough, and it's. It's stupid to think that, for, I mean, I'm a 34-year-old man, and for me to be just saying that I'm not racist for, for 34 years, well, obviously not 34 years, but, you know, for as long as I possibly have been able to kind of conjure up some kind of thought or or, or opinion on the matter is, is not really doing anything. Yes, I'm not a racist person, but just the fact that I'm not doing anything isn't helping the situation of, of so many people that are. Um, and I'm not going to kind of go too much into this because it's not really a, a a forum really for me to kind of go on. I'm not probably an expert on on the matter as well, and I have nowhere done enough research into the whole thing to kind of uh, voice a, a you know a massive kind of debate or anything on it. But I kind of just want to give my opinion, and I think you know I hold I hold a platform which people not many but a few people listen to. So I just kind of want to obviously make sure that kind of people know where my stance is on the matter. And I, I do think it's a great movement. Um, I think it's um, taken far too long for us to get to anything like this. I really wish, obviously, we'd never have had to get to the stage where this kind of thing has to happen. Um, but to, I just, it's something that I think I've always had the, the opinion of just, you know, I'm not a racist person, so therefore it's fine. Because one, I've never, I've witnessed it, but not really on a, a mass scale of, of anywhere near what we kind of see televised, especially in, in America, unfortunately. But it's, it's it just doesn't comprehend in my head sometimes how I just don't I don't understand it like it it makes no sense I don't understand how someone's skin pigmentation can 
be a a reason to not like somebody. At the end of the day, there is only one race, and that is the human race. We we are all the same. Just because we have a different color hair, our eyes might be a different color, our skin pigment might be a different color. We, we come from a different country. I don't I don't understand how that makes the person like horrible or 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 less i don't know it just it, I don't, it doesn't compute in my my brain of how somebody can be of that opinion because it makes no sense it, it sounds ridiculous it is stupid ha, like it just I, I, again i think it's purely because you know i am a as people say a white privileged person i've never really had to deal with it myself i've never had anyone be racist towards me um i've never really dealt seen you know real terrible i've heard racist remarks but i've never seen anything on you know on on scale of 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 some you know brutality to be led with uh, because of racism but it's it just again and again like this is me just almost i'm not using it as an excuse at all but you know i've not delved in and looked into the history of it or i've not i, I know a brief history you talked about it in school but I've never kind of consumed myself and I'm not the most knowledgeable person. That's why I won't talk as much on the matter. But I just thought it was kind of, you know, it's been on for a while now and I've not really used my platform to say anything. But it's it it just it just does not compute at all um, in my head. And that's because I, I'm white. I'm a white person. I've never had to deal with this situation. So I've almost just buried my head in the sand and thought, it's never going to happen to me, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'll never have to witness it, so I, would, I don't really need to look into it. And that is such an ignorant and horrible thing, and I, I don't know why it's taking me so long. So I'm really pleased that this movement is happening because it's make, making people more aware and they're reading up more and they're learning more and they're educating them more on, on the kind of troubles that people have been put through, and it's horrible. And no person should go through that just because their skin pigment is a slightly different shade of colour to another person's. It, it's, it's just just mind-boggling how that can still be an issue and uh, and you know we've uh, it's been brought more to life that um recently uh, and, and it's really weird because i actually seen um an, an ex-revolution player actually put out a tweet which used to do with something that happened in my country in somewhere i am very close to um as well in, in, in the county i'm from and that was the west midlands police tweeted out about a 12 year old boy who's been arrested because of uh, some very racial um uh, things said to a crystal palace player um and it's disgusting because 12 years old that there is no one is born as a racist so that person has got them traits from either a family member or from from a i don't know somewhere but you are not born to to be brought up you're not born and thinking that somebody um of a different colored skin or different hair shade I don't I see this is what I don't understand. Like what why aren't you then why aren't people bothered about oh you've got blonde hair, I've got brown hair, therefore I hate you. Like I don't get it, that's not a thing. So why would it matter if I've got pale peach skin and you've got a darker shade of brown skin? Like I don't get it. It I just doesn't make sense. Um and obviously I kind of wish that everyone kind of seen that way, but they don't. But again, it, it's you're not born with it. So that twelve year old has been brought up to kind of think that. And the reason I've gone on this rant is because obviously it's been so prominent in football. It's great that football and soccer are using it as a platform and 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 making sure people are listening to it. And Thierry Henry, at the start of the game, obviously you know he is a uh, a person of colour. He is a black male, uh, who obviously is from France, um, so therefore has probably a better understanding than than especially me. 
Um, he actually knelt for the first eight minutes and 47 seconds of the game, which I think some people were aware of, but um, obviously watching the game back today obviously just made it more, more and more prominent that that's exactly what he was doing. And that's obviously because of what happened. Uh, obviously, the... Uh, you know it's 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 just horrible but it's it's great to see that football slash soccer is is using their platform to obviously make sure people are aware of the movement and then hopefully people might go away and read up more and, and educate themselves more on the matter but again we've digressed but i kind of i just needed to get that off my chest because i've not really spoke on the matter and then i kind of part part of me was thinking because i didn't feel like i was you know one, I don't have a huge platform, but two, again, I'm not probably the best person to speak in it, but I still kind of wanted to get my opinion across on, on the whole thing because, one, I just didn't want people to also start thinking that I don't have an opinion or that I'm not for it uh, because I'm I'm 100% for it and and more. Um, But, yeah, we'll go back to the soccer now. Obviously, the game against the uh, Montreal Impact, as I said, lineup. Um, really, the only kind of things that surprised me was obviously that Mansin got picked over Kessler. Obviously, great to see the likes of uh, Carlos Hill and uh, uh, Butner and uh, Delamere back in Revolution shirts, and uh, really kind of just see, hoping to see the um, the old Callum Rowe back, really, because uh, obviously I've seen some great things. I've always been an advocate of Callum Rose and uh, really hoping to see him hit some um, fine form. So, kind of delve into the first half first of all, um, and I think to be fair, the Revolution. Looked really, really good. I was very, very pleased. Obviously, I had a very early mistake on from from Scott Caldwell, uh, kind of inside the first minute, I think it was. It did seem to recover okay, though, and put the pressure on that kind of did lead to, um, obviously, it was gaining the ball back. Um, I think that the Revolution also, throughout the whole well, game, really, I'd say, but definitely the first half, we held our shape really, really well. Um, and Delamaya showed some really good composure at the back. Um, you know, I don't think that the Montreal were... I felt they were definitely off the pace. They they were, I don't know if it's their fitness levels were less than ours or what, or the heat. Obviously, you know, it is Montreal players and, and New England players probably aren't aren't used to that kind of level of uh, of, of heat and humidity. But uh, they definitely didn't look as, as sharp as we did. And as I said, we, we held our shape really, really well. And there's a few times when we're not, you know, put under a little bit of pressure, but I felt like Della Mayer kind of seemed to be almost taking responsibility for the back line, which was... Really, really pleasing to see. And, uh, early things of note that I wrote down is um, that obviously uh, Carlos Hill seemed to be playing in a free role. He literally, throughout the whole game, he was everywhere on the pitch, um, which is good to see the fact that Carlos has kind of just been given that freedom to kind of just go out there and just do what you need to get done uh, to kind of be that playmaker. Nearly everything of the revolutions going forward went through him. And that just goes to show how much the team trusts him and how much of a big player he is and, and the ability he has got. Um, other things I've kind of um, noted down is good to obviously see Carlos Hill coming in deep, real, really deep at some points to obviously get the ball to try and get down the play. It was great to see that uh, Adam Butzka obviously kind of was able to stay central. I mentioned this in a tweet that obviously when you look at his uh, optimal reports and uh, kind of reports in general heat map and all that kind of stuff, that he, he did stay very, very central, not kind of having to go out on the wings. And I think that was that was really, really pleasing to see. Uh, we'll kind of talk about uh, Butzka's performance a little bit later on as well as a kind of delve in towards the end, back end of the game. But um, but yeah, it was just pleasing to see the fact that he, one, had the discipline to do so and uh, also that the team kind of allowed him to, to just stay central and not have to drift out wide because I don't think from a... Uh, kind of again, this isn't going. This isn't me trying to say that he's a terrible football player, but I don't think you know Buxa is is the most skillful player on the ball. 
and I think having him in the centre of in front of the goal is his best position. His hold up player is good. He's good in the air. He's a strong, agile player. But I think with the ball at his feet, running at defenders probably isn't his strength. So so getting him out wide on the wings, it's not really utilising anyone because then. If you think about it, if he goes out on one side, then what you've got, you know, Christian Panier coming into the box or the other side, you've got maybe Carlos Hill coming to the box. And, you know, as, mu as much as I love Carlos Hill, he's not winning headers, is he, if a ball's coming in? Um, so the fact that he's staying central was really, really good to see. Um, and uh, I've also noted down that Callum Rowe looked really up from, kind of from, from the off. Uh, I've, uh, I've noted that the in the around about the ninth minute, he uh, had uh, a great ball. Um, into Butzka and uh, also a good shot, obviously, that came off the back of that as well. Um, the Revolution had a good mix-up of play. I think the fact that it, kind of, it wasn't just one or the other, it was a good mix between wing and central play. I, th I think we probably maybe heavily relied of trying to go through the middle a lot, but I think that's because that's where Carlos was kind of mostly utilising towards the, the start of the match. Obviously, he did drift out wide on, on a good number of occasions. Um, it was good to see both wing-backs getting forward. I think Brandon Bay probably had a little bit more freedom because because I think Carlos's position probably was supposed to be the right of the, the three behind the striker. But because he was he was drifting inside, coming in deep, it gave Brandon Bay a lot more opportunity to get forward. Um, but it's saying obviously Alexander Butner on the other side did, did exactly the same but obviously Christian Panini is a player who likes to kind of hook the touch line as well so there maybe wasn't as much space to see him as an attacking threat but um, still a lot of both players were getting up and down the, uh, the left and right hand sides respectively uh, talking of uh, Brutner I did think he was very direct in his play it was really nice to see very you know I think it was a solid performance it wasn't a standout performance but it was still a solid performance from him as I said every time he kind of got the ball he was always looking forward um, played it really nice and simple as well there was nothing kind of fancy to his game but he kind of got the job done defensively sound as well and uh, really kind of liked the addition of this guy to him um, I noted down as well that uh, it was good to see that the Revolution were trying to change things up in their uh, set pieces when it came to corners. Uh, the really one that I liked the most was the Carlos heel to uh, Butner. Obviously, Butner was kind of just outside the um, area and uh, Carlos just floated the ball over to him. Montreal did kind of pick up on that though and obviously they kind of defended that quite well. So I think it wasn't really an option from there on out. But it was nice to see kind of that we had that in our locker because um, obviously that's kind of a, a nice play to have. So again, hopefully something we utilise going forward. Um, some really nice play in the 19th minute as well. So we had a, a lovely bit of play. It was obviously started by Callum Rowe over to Butzka uh, in him and uh, Gustavo Bo linking up and uh, Gil just couldn't apply the um, the finish. Um, kind of just had really good bits all over the park, really. Scott, I've, I've also kind of uh, put down that I've really liked the fact that Scott Caldwell was... Um, was kind of he was more of a defensive midfield today and he was very disciplined and uh, I mentioned earlier about maybe that that was my worry but I did like to see the fact that he just kind of stuck in that position and let Callum Rowe be a little bit more of the attack-minded uh, player and was a little more free to kind of go forward when he when he wanted to I didn't really see Scott he, in any kind of advanced uh, position really in the pitch but he was really good at uh, breaking up and stopping any kind of potential counter-attacks and uh, I think he had probably one of his best performances I've seen in a while from, from Mr Caldwell and that was really I mean, I'm a massive advocate of, the, of him as a human being. I think he's, you know, a, a massive player to have in and around the camp. Um, Footballing-wise, as I say, he's he's not the most talented player we've got on the um, on the, the, the pitch, but I, I think he's just huge to have in and around the camp, and uh, I, I wish he stays at the Revolution for the whole of his career and beyond. Um, 
We did see a slight mistake from Alexander Bruckner, but obviously, um, again, because our defence was was really quite impressive uh, throughout the whole match today, I think it was you know, although he had made a slight mistake, that the rest of the defence were in good position to kind of snuff out any kind of uh, opportunity that Montreal might, might have had. Um, we did have a, a slight kind of bit to, of a storm to weather, really, um, from, uh, from, from Montreal, uh, just really basically just before our... Um, before um Bo, I think uh I think it's just before Bo's first uh, chip of attempt, we kind of weathered a little bit of, of a storm of maybe like five to seven minutes somewhere around there. But it was um one children like two had a really, really good shape about themselves and they looked defensively organised. So we, we were finding it hard to break down and they were trying to almost hit us on the counter attack and we did have to weather a little bit of a storm, but again I think that our defence was uh was just as well organised and we just seemed to deal with the whole situation really, really well, as I said, then in about the 39th minute, we had uh, an attempt, which I believe was the Carlos. No, it wasn't Carlos Hill, it was uh, Gustavo Bo's first chip attempt. Obviously, that means that there's another one. And as I'm talking about this, Toronto, have just, so this can tell you when I've just recorded, Toronto have just scored uh, against DC United. Um, obviously, I'm part of a little MLS UK group, and uh, we've, got, we've got fans from both sides represented on that one. So uh, I know Mr. DC United... He's not going to be happy for that one, but it's uh, yeah, going from Ayo, Ayo Akinla. I don't know how to pronounce any of the players' names, but uh, Toronto 1 0 up in that game so far. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, Gustavo Bo having uh, two lob attempts, both going wide, but uh, this was his first. Um, I think just overall, again, we just had some really nice build up and, and very patient build up play from the revolution. There's one in particular that I've noted here that ended up with Gustavo Bo just dragging his shot uh, wide of the uh, goalkeeper's right hand post, um, and uh, and yeah, just just overall I think it's really nice. I think we didn't go direct a lot. There was one really really nice ball uh, from Calderwell, um, which was the ball leading through to um, uh, Bo's second attempt. I think it was obviously on a, on a lob as well. But um, he missed the target again. Uh, but yeah, really nice, I think, build-up play from the Revolution in, in general. I think it was nice to see that we weren't just going to rush to kind of get the job done. We were kind of keeping the ball as much as we could. Um, and the only kind of other note I've got from the, the first half really here was the fact that, I mean, there was a lot of talk that when Montreal got Grosjean, that a few Revolution fans were a bit gutted. I wasn't one of those because I'd seen him in the championship and stuff, and I just didn't think he was the player that he's nowhere near the level of what we would have been needing, or I don't think he would have added anything different to what we've already got. Um, and yeah, I mean, he just, I, I think he picked up the ball maybe once, and to be fair, when he did get the ball, he did look a little bit of a threat, but that was it. He just wasn't getting involved. It was just, I've actually put Bojan Hu as my note because. Like we don't need him. We don't on that based on that performance. We definitely didn't need him. Well then, uh, we'll move on to the second half. Um, and to be fair, a much brighter start from Montreal. It did look like um the Revolution were almost feeling the 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 heat. Maybe some of their legs were feeling a lot heavier coming back out in the second half. Um, we defended actually really well. To be fair, we did weather the storm. It was probably only for about the first maybe five ten minutes at a push. Uh, but a great uh, save by Matt Turner in that time, off his line nice and quickly and obviously closing down the angles and, and saving it almost like a hockey goalkeeper's save, uh, out with the foot, along kind of, uh, you know, right foot out to the side, stopping the ball and uh, then kind of narrowing the opportunity game for the second time shot to come in and making sure that the player kind of, you know, didn't get anything off. 
And uh, well, I actually put the player off in the end because he shot shot wide. But yeah, very sluggish um, start from the revolution. Uh, after about 10 minutes, we started to kind of get into the game a little bit more. Started to find a little bit more freedom and a little bit more back on the ball and getting out, you know, kind of regular flow and nice patient build-up. And, um, and uh, yeah, started putting a little bit more pressure on. Uh, had, a f- had a little bit of opportunity and then... Uh, Montreal looked to break, but uh, some I've put I've noticed there's some really good tracking back from uh, from Christian Panier and Callum Rowe, kind of almost you know to the point where we we're going to get broke on. They both tracked back, won the ball back, uh, and then obviously we've played the ball out to uh, to Carlos, who has got an acre of space out on that right hand side, and he's played the ball into Gustavo Bowe, and Bowe's kind of switched feet, moved it out onto his left hand uh, side, onto his left foot, and just absolutely smashed the ball into the back of the net with some venom. And obviously Revolution go one, we look great, finished great team goal as well. Um and then uh, there's a just even after that, like literally kind of after we scored the goal for the next kind of two minutes, we had some of our best kind of play really. Um Brandon Boy obviously getting forward just after the goal, uh, linking up well with Colos uh heel. Uh, on the right hand side, and then some lovely kind of skill from Gustavo Bow as he kind of dragged the ball through his own legs. He's unlucky not to see not to get the um the the cross away, but uh, just yeah, really really good good play from 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 the Revolution there. And the, the one thing I've noted as well is that throughout the whole game, I like the fact how quick we were in getting the ball back off the opposition as well. We kind of didn't really allow them to try and counter us, and we were having the ball back in our possession fairly quickly. And in the 59th minute, I've uh, looked down at Manti and actually uh, did a great stop, actually. So the ball was coming in from across uh, from the uh, right-hand side, I believe. And he um, did uh, manage to kind of get across and, and put himself in a really good position. He then was followed up by a yellow card, though. But uh, that wouldn't be Michael Manti without doing something that annoyed the Revolution fa- fan base now. Um, uh, I've uh, given go not enough from there. Christian Pena to Gustavo Bow um, to uh, Butska. Um, but just uh, unlucky. Over, overall, I think the the kind of front four as a whole just linked it really, really well. I mean, I think Pelia maybe wasn't involved as much as obviously you know Carl Carlos was, but uh, I think those kind of four just any one time just looked so dangerous and they just linked up so nicely. Um, got another note here of some really good uh, defending from uh, Della Mayer and of uh, Brandon Bios who did really well from that defensive piece. Obviously, make sure that the ball didn't go out for a corner kick. Um, Kessler coming on the pitch, 70, 65th minute even. Uh, Michael Mancien, obviously wouldn't be a Michael Mancien game if he didn't play uh, a game where obviously he an injury. Although, to be fair, I've got no bad word to say about him in this game, I think, other than the yellow card, which is a little bit of a silly foul. Probably wasn't a yellow card, but, you know. Um, but I haven't really got a bad word to say about him. He did, did exactly what he had to do. Um, but, yeah, Henry Kessler coming on um, in the 75th minute for him. Um, Bo with a real low drive in the 68th minute. Which kind of goes to uh, to show how well it was, and then we had Callum Rowe pop up as well. Uh, cross from from Bo coming in, and Callum he was just a tiny bit taller, or maybe kept that massive, you know, homeless hobo hair that you had at one point on the go with that, you know, that little bit more height on the hair. You might have been able to get a little bit of connection on the ball, but um, yeah, it was it was just good to see, and I've I've kind of kind of want to round it out, but kind of just giving a. Uh, I've got a few more things I want to note, but just Callum Rowe's performance, I kind of I was actually really impressed with, with Callum. It was good to see, you know, he didn't do and again, he wasn't a player that was spectacular, he wasn't doing, you know, Cruyff turns and, and get picking the ball up and taking it past nineteen players and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But he just did exactly what we wanted him to do. 
you know, his passing was good. His range of passing was good. He again, he was just doing things nice and simple, trying not to put a foot wrong and just getting the ball moving. And uh, we were very patient all over the pitch, but he really, really looked good to me today. Um, and I think the whole team pressed really, really well as well. Um, and we kind of, as I mentioned before, I was a little bit dubious with the whole Scotty and, and, and Callan's kind of partnership in the midfield. And I think in this game, it worked perfectly. Um, I think their partnership was, was perfect for the game. It just goes testament to Bruce. He does know what he's doing, doesn't he? Uh, he's chose this partnership for a particular reason, and that partnership worked. Now, I don't know if he kind of knew that we would put, wouldn't be put under as much defensive pressure. Um, I'm not too sure how much scouting and stuff and information we've got through from the Montreal camp, but it, it was definitely the right partnership because with the likes of, I mean, I, I really, I'm a big fan of Wilfred Zahibo, uh, especially as of late. He, he kind of as a player used to frustrate me, but um, I think he's, you know, he was an option I would have had there. He was the, the first option I would have had there. But, and I do think that going forward, I don't think that that partnership of Rowan, Scotty Caldwell will will be the partnership we choose if it's against a team who we are going to be defensively more under the cost from. You know, the the, the, the teams that do like to attack from the off. Uh, you know, the teams like the LAFCs of, of, the, of the MLS. It, you know, that partnership probably wouldn't work there. But this for this game, it was, it was the perfect, perfect partnership. And I think they worked really, really well together. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, very pleased to see. Um, on the kind of thoughts of uh, Adam uh, Butska, um, it, he, he looked a bit isolated, if I'm going to be fair. Um, and I, I, I don't think that was, again, I think he was given a, a task and he did it. And I think, you know, he was making sure he was in the right places at, at the right time. And we're trying to utilise him by just keeping him central. But for, for me... Um, I don't think the revolution really utilised his strengths of holding up the ball as much as they could have done. And I don't think we got him involved in play as much as we could have done. So from that instance, as much as I was pleased to see he had the discipline to do so, it's great to know that he's got that in his locker now. But I would have liked to have seen him just come a little bit deeper at some points to try and get involved a bit more. I know he's our focal point, but you know if he goes there, then we know that Gustavo Bo's got it in his locker to be that focal point as well. So for him to drop deep, maybe to try and get him a little bit more involved in the game, so we can just you know showcase what he can do. There's no doubt in my mind that he's not going to be a well, you know a top top striker for us, but in just that you know the game against Montreal, he was just a little bit quiet. Um, I do think he was isolated at times, but um, you know I, I don't think there's anything to worry about too much. I've also noted down that there's potentially a second yellow card there. There's a, a foul just after a corner from Montreal where Turner got pushed in the back, and I think you know the referee didn't see it. They are somehow didn't see it either. I'm not really too bothered, but it's just that then things normally can't. If that would have come back to, to, to bite us in the ass, then it out of things that, that kind of thing that would have really annoyed me. Substitution wise, I think they're great bits of substitution from from Bruce. Just adding on pace, just adding pace to see a game where the players are probably on the last legs. It's hard; they're not used to it. You know, they haven't played for a while, and adding in the likes of Jones, Bunbury, and 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 uh, Buchanan just makes perfect sense. Um. Obviously, Alexander Butner hadn't, you know, played a full game for God knows how long, so he probably wasn't going to last all ninety. But you know, he gave a really, really good showing of himself, um, and uh, yeah, just some really, really good, um, good decision making from Bruce Reed on that one. Again, didn't have to change the tactic at all. Just player for player, wasn't a tactical change at all. It was just getting fresh legs on at, at a really, really good time. Um, Henry Kessler as well. Um, we did really well quite late on in the game. Uh, was a uh, a counter track which was driven forward by Victor Wanyama. Um, didn't think it had the best game, but it kind of did come to life towards the end. 
uh, he kind of he started trying to start a counter-attack down the right-hand side, but when, uh, um, yeah, Kessler was there to kind of make sure that nothing came of that. Uh, and at the whole game, to be fair, I think the defence did, did really, really well. Uh, towards the back end of the game, now, the last kind of few minutes, we had a, uh, a great bit of play by, uh, by Brandon Boy, found Carlos Hill, uh, and Carlos just tried to release uh, Teal Bunbury, but it was a really, really, I was not too sure who the, uh, the defender was for Montreal, but it was a great interception and obviously stopped Teal going through um, to potentially score the Revolution's second goal. And then the only thing I've got to kind of end thing out is uh, that save by Matt Turner. What a save, huge moment, obviously, you know, could be the difference between us getting out of the group stages and not, but uh, that man is an absolute legend. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's my, kind of my game overview. Um, as I said, I've mentioned it a few times, I was, it was a very pleasing performance. Wasn't anything fancy, but we got the job done. I think I didn't think we, I wasn't overly worried at any one time during the match. I think the Revolution had control of the game. We were very patient with our build-up. It was a nice mix-up of wing and central play. And just overall, I think the team... Uh, the lineup was the right one to go with. Uh, substitutions were great, and I think it was just a good overall day to be a revolution, a revolution fan as well. Uh, we then move away from talking about the the tournament and then the revolution. We'll kind of move things to overall general stuff that's been going on with the uh, revolution camp. Uh, we did sign a player, so it was a player who kind of really wasn't a secret. Uh, Matt Polster's come uh, for around about three thousand pounds dollars. I don't really know the price, um, from Rangers. Um, and uh, my gut feeling so far, and I'm not going to talk about this on too much at the moment because I have got a question evolving around uh, Matt, so I'll kind of talk about it a little bit more in depth there. But my my gut feeling is that it will be a decent signing for Revolution. Again, it's not a, it's not another Carlos or Gustavo, but it's a good acquisition. Uh, but again, I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit more depth um, shortly after once we get to the uh, the questions from the listeners. Um, other bits, obviously, of news is that the Revolution 2 had their uh, first kind of pre-season friendly, I suppose, or pre-season restart friendly, you can call it. It was a 3-1 loss to, to Hartford. There's not a lot of information out there, which is really disappointing because the only way we found out it was, was even happening was because Hartford, I think, put it on their on Instagram and then they tweeted about it, but the Revolution 2 didn't tweet about it at all. So I wasn't even too sure who played. There's only three minutes of highlights, which are all Hartford highlights because it's from their Twitter feed. So I'm not going to base it too much on that. Well, I have. That's all I've got to base on, sorry. But I'm not going to criticise them too harshly. Obviously, we've got to remember Hartford are in the league above. But it was quite clear to see, even from only the three minutes, that... And this is not a knock on the Revolution 2 because, again, they're a league below um, and... You know they are a new team. That that's my whole point. There, they're a new team, but it, it did seem that way from the three minutes of clip. But I don't really know because there's a whole game I've missed. Um, but uh, we did obviously there's a great save from uh, from from Rice in the goal as well. Uh, we did see our new signing uh, Vernforth uh, play. Um, and the highlights didn't obviously shine a great light on him. Uh, there was on two occasions where he was obviously involved as such. Um, where the ball bypassed him. Uh, one did look particularly quite bad where he kind of almost took a lead out and missed it and then the player scored. But um, again, it's only three minutes and it's clipped from their perspective that I've seen. So I can't really make too much of a judgment. My main criticism is the fact that we need more Revs 2 coverage. And I tweeted them earlier. They probably don't see it because I don't know, they get lots of tweets over. But I am more than happy to help in any way and contribute. Like if from a graphics point of view, from posting or I mean, obviously I can't really do much from like the game but if they've got highlights if they want me to edit the videos for them 
I'm, I'm just, I don't even need, not a paid thing, just free. I will just do it for them for free. Like, um, I know obviously a lot of the team probably from the Revolution main account probably do the work. So they've got a full-time job. This is kind of a side thing, but if they, if they need help, just, just ask. I, I, I would, I don't, you don't have to do anything or pay me. Just, I will just help you. Um, but yeah, just, just more content, please. Um, and that's probably really about it. I kind of don't want to talk onto the map thing because we do, I do have a question. So from a uh, somebody listening. So Jay Hondo says, uh, please tell us more about Polster. How good slash bad is he? Why were Rangers were so willing to get rid of him? Um, now, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on the player because I'm not. So that would be false information. It'd be fake news. Um, but so I don't really know how good or bad he is. And I've watched a bit of highlights of, of, the, of his season with Rangers to kind of purely because I've been asked this question. So I have done a little bit of research. Um, and I don't think he's, he's not a terrible player. So overall, I think, you know, is he a good acquisition? My gut is telling me yes, but I've only seen highlights of him playing as a right back. And now I don't think that's where we're going to be utilising I think it's going to be a great depth piece, but I think it's it's Brandon Byes and Farrell's position that is. I think it's Brandon Bay first, uh, and then Farrell's, um, because we've got a potential using Andrew Farrell as a centre back. But I'm not too sure. I mean, if Andrew goes back out to right back, then I think that's his position, not not Brandon's. But I think it's great to have another option there. But I do, I think we're utilising him as as a central defensive midfielder or as a central midfielder. There's, you know, one, he's been given the eight shirt, which makes me sad because that is Chris Tierney's shirt. I don't know why it's not been retired. But so that's kind of the first kind of thing. And the fact that he said when he was signed, he said that it said uh, midfield is his strongest position. And when they announced the signing, they put defender slash midfielder, which makes me think that they are definitely open to him being an option to be utilised as a midfielder throughout the season. Um. So from from a playing point of view, I can't tell you how good or bad he is. I can tell you he's a decent right back. Is he better than what we've already got on the books? Probably not. I don't. You know, I think he's probably on par with both of them. I don't think he's had anything extra. As a defensive midfielder, I honestly couldn't tell you because I've not seen him play there. So unfortunately, I can't um tell you much for that. I can tell you that the reason why I think Rangers were so you know happy to kind of let him get rid of him. Well, I don't think they were overly happy. I think just. Financially, it made sense. You know, he's he's not going to be going up in value anytime soon. They got a bit of money for him, and they have got two um young emerging right backs coming out as well from their academy. So, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of good. I mean, he only played a handful of games for Rangers anyway, so it wasn't like he was their first choice right back. I think he potentially was bought in with that in mind, but because the younger players have been doing so good, um, that he's kind of he's found it hard to kind of get game time for them. So. Um, I think it just made sense for him at uh, the age he was and kind of the you know, places in his career where, you know, if he's not a first choice at Rangers now, there's no saying that he is going to be first choice and he wants to be playing football because he's 27. He doesn't want to be sat on a bench. Um, and, you know, it just he wants to play under Bruce Arena, which is a massive draw for him. So um, I don't think they were, they were kind of willing to get rid of him. I think it just made sense from both parties, made sense for the player and it made sense for the club as well so but thank you Jay Hondo for the question uh, second question we got second and last question is from Mike Kennedy he's put will the tournament have the same appeal without the likes of Carlos Vea and uh, Joseph Martinez and is the tournament acknowledged or talked about in the UK or is it purely a North American phenomenon um, so kind of just to talk about your first point that I think obviously the likes of Carlos Vea and uh, and uh, Martinez is always going to be a big draw from especially from players with eyes on you know 
the kind of types of flary players that you know can really excite teams and crowds um i think it is you know it has lost some of its appeal because of that you know so i think it would have been a better and more well-rounded tournament than the likes of them players were involved obviously Carlos phases for obvious reasons and makes 100 percent sense why he's pulled out a tournament obviously Jose's is is just unfortunate but um yeah definitely would have been nice because i think always while teams would like, you know, the fact that we, we, when we come up against them teams that they haven't got them players in them, it's always nice to beat the teams at their fault as well. So it's always good to see that we beat them because we put our best team out, they put their best team out and our better team was better than theirs rather than we put our best team out and they put only half their team out because the rest were injured or whatever and we still beat them. You know, it kind of, it, it's still great if we were to win, but, you know, it kind of comes as a little bit of salt because, you know, they've always got that to say, oh, well, you probably wouldn't have been able to beat us with our front now. But at the same time, we'll never know because we've still we've won now, so should have. Um, so yeah, I think it still have a an appeal. I think the whole format of the fact it's almost like a World Cup is a great appeal. Um, now the tournament itself is acknowledged, but obviously I I think it's because I I kind of follow a lot of people who follow MLS from the UK, so I see them talking about it a lot. Um, but again, when I've spoken, asked people outside of that kind of bubble, if you will, this such. They've not they've not heard about it, so I don't know, and and that's what I'm kind of what I was what I was kind of alluding to right at the start. I think they've missed a massive huge opportunity. Yes, the you know the Premier League season and all that kind of stuff's back on now. Most of the leagues have wrapped up. The Premier League season is wrapped up for for most people now. We know who's won the league. There's the Champions League Champions League places to fight for, especially now Man City have obviously been somehow managed to worm their way back into the Champions League. And there is relegation and stuff, and there's the championship going on at the moment where hopefully Leeds United will be able to get the job done and finally get back into the promised lands of the Premiership. And we've had some really, really good, solid performances as of recently, but so the teams in and around us as well. Um, but yeah, I just think they just missed a huge opportunity of just not putting it free on TV. I mean, it is free on TV here over on in the UK. Uh, for most of the games are free, which is great. So we've we've actually got eyes on it over here. But the times are back. I mean, I've, I've watched the Revolution game back today, um, at the day of recording this, which you can probably tell from when I've just said that the, the Toronto vs DC game is on. Um, but it's. I mean, I've had to wait because of I've been at work and with my work schedule and stuff. It, I just can't stay up and watch them because I literally have to be up in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning. Um, so when they're on at one a.m., it's not ideal. But it, it's great that we've got them over here. We have got the option, and I just think the US have missed out on getting more eyes on, but. So I, I honestly can't answer it. Obviously, from my bubble, it looks like it's being talked about a lot, but, but that's because I'm in a bubble with people who already know and already are fond of the MLS and I've already picked probably a team to support. But from outside of that, when I've, I've spoke to some of my like closer friends, some of them know purely because I rattle on about it so much, but some of them also just didn't even know it was, it won't even, you know, been cancelled or two that restarted. So... I'd probably say the consensus is more, it's probably not being spoken about as much as it could have been, which is a real shame because um, I just think sometimes when I just wish people would watch it more because they, they just get to see how good and how entertaining it is. Um, and I just hate it whenever anything bad happens. It's like, oh, look, look, look at these stupid uh, MLS teams. They can't, they can't play the game properly. And it's like that happens in the premiership, like week in, week out. And we don't, you know, it just happens. Players make mistakes it's it's just inevitable so you know it's going to happen at some point no player is perfect 
Uh, but that's uh, that's pretty much it for today's episode, guys. Obviously, I'm really pleased that this is back, and I thank you, obviously, everyone for listening. Um, now, I will obviously be trying to upload as much as I can. We do have our game, which I think now has been postponed, if I'm, if I'm right in thinking. Uh, we are playing uh, DC United next. Um, but I believe that I read just recently that the game is now being put back. Uh, I think it's now is it Saturday the 18th of July at 1am 1 1 in the morning again. So once again, I won't be watching that one live. Um, especially as I've got uh, work and stuff. So, but... Um, but yeah, obviously I will be doing a podcast now as long as the, the tournament continues and it's safe to do so and everything. Or I'll be reporting and giving my my opinions as and when I can. So anyway guys, I uh, as I said at the start, I hope you're all safe and well. I hope that uh, everything is going okay or as well as can be during your quarantine life. And uh, I will catch you next week guys for the next one.